You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Uh, Last week, and really over the last six weeks, we've been discussing what the world encounters when it encounters the sons and daughters of God filled with His presence. Uh, Really, this question of what are they left with? When they encounter us and they depart from that encounter, are they left with something? Are they left with anything? And we've really dialed it in over the last few weeks, and there's been six points, and we've gone through four of them. Tonight will be the fifth. But before that, last week, we looked at the fourth, the first being God is good, second being nothing is impossible. Those are experiential truths. We cannot know those to be true if we have not experienced the goodness of God for ourselves and experienced God do impossible things before our eyes. And with that comes the reality that I cannot allow anyone that I encounter to be left with that reality that God is good and nothing is impossible if I forget that I have witnessed and experienced those things. And so we've had this phrase in this church, you can't get, give away what you don't have, and it it, it's, we've taken a different spin on it with those two, especially with those two, but you cannot give away what you forget you have. If you forget that you have experience with the goodness of God and you experience the impossibility of God right before your eyes, then you'll never give that away. And we as Christians, one of the things that we need to learn how to do again is to be quick to remember. Because we are quick to remember in the easy days, but when the hard days come, we are quick to forget and wonder where God is and wonder um, why He's departed from us and we forget His truth and we forget His promises. Bill Johnson's a pastor in California, one I respect uh, greatly, and he has a book full of the promises that God has spoken over him. Promises that have come to be and things that he's still waiting for God to do. But when he's on the plane or in a, on a car ride, people will oftentimes talk about how he's just sitting there reading over them. Because he just will not allow himself to forget the things that God has done and the things God has said he will do. And in that keeps him rooted in the goodness of God. And in that he can give that away because he remembers what he has. And so those have been the first two. The third, maybe the most profound um, piece of truth, we, we would immediately say that we believe it and we accept it, but as far as really looking at the, the application for our stories at this truth has been profound for me, and that is that Jesus has won absolute victory. And what that means for me and my identity and my walk with the Lord and my every day, it has been, I don't know about you, but for me, it has been liberating. It has been amazing. The things that the Lord has shown me the, the freedom that I feel that was always there for me, it was, all, it was right there given to me, but I was now in the mindset where I could receive it because I recognized this truth that if Jesus won absolute victory and I came after the sacrifice of Jesus and I am brought into the promise that came after Jesus defeated the grave, what does that make me? A child of victory. A child that does not know anything but victory. Powerful, powerful, and an amazing thing that we have to remember if we want anybody to walk away with that reality. 
And what that reality looks like for us and when we give that to somebody else is that there is, there is hope in their story. The first three are so, really all of these, but they're so, it is so important that we become a people of hope again. I said it on Sunday, and I'll continue to say it again. What the world is desperately searching for is the God of hope, but we are His people. And if He is the God of hope, then we are sons and daughters of hope, meant to establish it here on earth. And when they encounter someone that operates in the reality of Jesus winning absolute victory, they will be left with hope. And with that hope will come the belief that nothing is impossible and God is good. Without Jesus winning absolute victory, the rest of this is impossible. So it's so significant. And with that being said, what we talked about last week, the truth that we came to, the fourth takeaway, is that you are significant. That when we encounter them, when they walk away, they, they walk away with this truth, whether it's in the back of their mind or the, the forefront of their mind, that I am significant. And it's such a profound truth. When someone encounters a child of God carrying His presence, they should walk away knowing the truth that they are significant. There's not a person that has ever been or ever will be that this is not true about. Um, I read this on Sunday. I'm going to read it again just really quick. Colossians 1, 16. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. All things. That includes everyone out there, and that also includes everyone in here. That includes you. This is the most... It's not the... The last two are just so important for us to take ownership of. If Jesus winning absolute victory, I need to take ownership of what that means for my story, what that means in my life. And then you are significant. You cannot give away what you do not have. And this is what we said last week. You cannot give away what you refuse to receive. And if you refuse to believe that you are significant, you will never be able to instill that truth in anybody else. You will never be able to do that. And we looked at how crazy it is that we struggle with this truth ourselves. When you look at it and you look at how logical God is, there is no logic in believing that you are insignificant. Absolutely none. Because the evidence is so stacked against that reality. It is so stacked in favor of you being significant. If you think you're insignificant, you come and let's argue. We'll, we'll set up two podiums and we'll go to, to debate in that. Because there is not a scripture in here that talks about your insignificance. This is a book of identity. And God did not send His Son to die for an insignificant people. But we are significant because we are the only creation ever created that can house the presence of God. 1 Corinthians, God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Nothing on earth that has ever been or ever will be can do what we can do when God fills us and houses us. So there is, there is so much evidence to, to speak to the truth and reality that we are significant. And we just looked at this last week. Uh, just imagining as a parent, would you say to your kids or to your grandkids that you are not significant? Of course not. Of course not. And in Matthew 7, 11, it says, I'm just going to read this very quickly. 
If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So we have to recognize and understand this truth that you are significant because the same mentality that you would have towards your children sitting in your lap if they asked, am I significant? Oh my goodness, absolutely yes. Wouldn't hesitate. Is the same response He has to you. Am I significant? Oh my goodness, absolutely yes. He speaks it over us and He has displayed the evidence of it. He meets with us every, every Wednesday, every Sunday in this, in this house. And He walks with us before and every day in between and He walks with us inside these doors, all of us together, not because we are insignificant, but because there is such significance, because we are the body of Christ. We are the co-heirs with Christ, the co-laborers with Christ. We are the sons and daughters to the kingdom of heaven. You are significant. So we just came to this moment where it's just time for us, the children of God, to say yes to it and give it to those around us. We must say yes to these truths for ourselves first before we can ever deposit them in somebody else. And so today, to bring us to our fifth takeaway. And this is a, an interesting one. It was an interesting one to prep. It was one that I thought would take weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks to get into. Um, but it's going to take one, and it's probably going to be our shortest one yet. Uh, and the Lord highlighted why He wanted it that way, and I'm fine with it. Because this is one that we could talk about for a long time. But the fifth takeaway is that there are mysteries. Some yet to be discovered, and some never to be discovered. And I'll get into both of those. Oh no, I forgot my scriptures. I'm telling you, I'm way behind today. Way behind. Hold on, let me pull them up on my phone. I'm sorry. I have a whole list of scriptures. Thank God for technology. Beautiful. Okay, Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, oh, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 8, 37 through 39. Now in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jeremiah 10, 10. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth, the earth quakes, and the nations cannot his endure his indignation. These are just a small few about how big our God is. If you, if you search Google, what does the Bible say about how big God is? You get about 40 pages of scriptures. Just talking about the magnitude of God. And I just picked a few that I, that I liked and I wanted to talk about. Uh, he created everything by speaking. He, this is another wonderful thing. I love thinking about this. We were uh, 
Um, we were talking about, I'm trying to remember who I was talking with, someone in my family or a friend. I was talking to a friend. They don't have kids yet and they're wanting kids and just asking about it. And we started talking about when they first laugh. And I got to make Liam laugh for the first time, doing something, and it's always something so insignificant. You're just like, this? I've been killing myself like a stand-up comic for weeks, and I do this, and this is what's funny? It was just a little toy, and he was just laying on his back. And this little toy, you could pick it up and just kind of drop it and just make a little noise, and I just did it. He lost it. Lost it. Lost his mind. And I was in that conversation just a couple days ago. I was thinking about how God created that. God created laughter. Like What an amazing thing. Laughter cures so much. And God created it. And just beginning to think of how he was the author of so many of these things that we take for granted. Uh, like laughter, love, kindness, joy, peace, patience, light, darkness, uh, sun, the sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the air that we breathe, the animals that we see, even, even the, the annoying ones. He just created all of these things and he created all of these things just by speaking. And the really fascinating thing about it is that when he spoke, like if I create a table, I've created one table. That table will not create another table. But when God creates it literally continues to create. It never ceases to continue to do what He spoke it to do. When He spoke trees, it wasn't a forest and then, this is our one forest, take care of it. No. Boom. Trees across the world. Rabbits, right? We know. All kinds of animals. They're, scientists, are, they're, they're trying to figure out a way to, to measure the universe, and what they ended up finding is that it's expanding. It's getting bigger, so there's no way. So since the dawn of time, when God spoke the universe into existence, it has not stopped creating and being created since that moment. Whoa. You tell me how to understand that. You tell me, you, you, I want you to sit here with a straight face and you tell me how you can wrap your head around that. Right? There's no way. He exists outside of all constructs of time. He can and has the ability and the desire to save all of the world. What a daunting task that is not, he clearly knows how to do it and he's done it. He's provided a way to do it. And he knew it from the moment in the garden, he knew what would need to be done. He, he had, just like that, to save all of the world, all those that have been and ever will be. He has a solution. Carrying his name, as we, as we read in Romans, just simply carrying his name, nothing can stand against us simply because we belong to him. Simply because I carry the banner of God's child, God's son, I am now more than a conqueror, His elect, and nothing, no power, principality on this earth or in the spiritual realm can stand against me because of that one name that I get to carry. Fascinating. 
And he holds the world in his hands and he could crush it. He holds the universe that continues to expand. He holds it in his hand. But at the same time, and in some way beyond our understanding, he knows us. And he loves us. And he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And he's closer than our breath. I remember hearing this in a, at a conference. Someone was praying, God is, he, I just hear him say, he is closer than your breath. And I'm a, I studied the body. I was a scientist of the body for a lot of years. It's what I did. And so I immediately went nerdy and started thinking about, well, when we breathe in oxygen, all of the places it goes, it's in every single cell in my being right now. And those are without measure. Can't comprehend how many, how many cells exist within me. And he's closer than the breath that fills them. Whoa. But he's also holding it like this in his hand. There are mysteries that cannot be discovered or understood. And just a few of what I've read, is, those are some of them. We will never in our, our minds here on earth be able to comprehend how God is God in those capacities. No way. We, we have a hard time even understanding how He can be God to me with the things that I've done in my own story. How could He love me based on the things I've done? We have a hard time with that. So how on earth could we wrap our heads around how He can hold it and also know the number of hairs on my head? To know my name, to know my Father's name, and to know what He created them for, what He created me for, and then what He created you for, and what He created your kids for, and your grandkids, and the kids and generations that have yet to come that will be a part of your family long after you're gone. He knows what He's created them for, and He holds it all within Him right now. It is impossible. But nothing is impossible with God, for He is outside of possibility. That doesn't even make sense to us. That, that's like trying to explain to a six-year-old how God was not born. It's not a conversation you're ever going to come to the end of. You're just going to leave a six-year-old very confused. And you're going to be very confused. Because you've accepted an answer because you know that you can't answer that question. Because everything that we've ever seen on this earth, within our limits of imagination even, it has to be born. There has to be a beginning. But God is the beginning. He created beginnings. How can He create beginnings? It doesn't make any sense. And it will never make any sense. There are mysteries about God. And thank God we serve a God that there will always be mysteries about the things that He does and the way He is and the, 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 the God that He is. There will always be mysteries that will make no sense to us, but there will also, at the same time, we get to have a relationship with Him. And Proverbs eight seventeen says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently will find me. So there are mysteries. There are mysteries that we will never understand, that we will never discover, but there are also mysteries of His heart that He is waiting for us to discover. There are mysteries about Him where He is so excited 
at the thought of one of his children stumbling into these places, stumbling into a depth of his heart that no one's yet ventured. That excites me. That I could know about God. And not in contest with anyone. Not to say, I know something that you don't. But to look at what I know about Him right now. And to think that there's more wonderful and amazing and profound and life-giving and life-changing pieces of Him to know that I've yet to know. That's exciting. To think that my sons and my daughter could know about God things that I didn't discover till I was in my late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, that those could be some of the very first things they built their relationship upon, things that no one else had ever known, that a generation could build their life with God around things that were just recently discovered. But they would be children of victory. That's the thing about discovery. When a child is born, when when people discovered America, there were children born after that news broke that never knew a day where America didn't exist. And so when we discover depths about God, there will be a child that will only know those depths about God and they will never know a time without those depths. That's fascinating to me. It's mysterious all at the same time. It's amazing to think of what we can stumble into with God if we continue to stay in His will and walk in obedience, withholding nothing from Him, completely open to Him, receiving all that He would lead us into. And that's really the key. Permitting to enter. Permitting to enter the basic truth that has to be received before we can discover any, anything more complex. But if we don't believe things like He's good or nothing is impossible or that we're significant because of the identities that we carry, if we have a hard time believing those things, He can't really lead us into pro, pro, very, very profound things until we get those because that's kind of like the foundation. That would be like your framer showing up to put together the walls when the concrete's still setting. It's not going to work out very well. You're going to have a structure that's not reliable and that cannot handle all that has to be put on top of it. So it's exciting for me to think that there are mysteries yet to be discovered that God desires for us to discover. And this was, this was my intro for tonight. And the Lord said, stop there. And I asked, well, no, why? I had, I, we were going to start in Genesis and I was excited we had some Leviticus, believe it or not. No one goes to Leviticus or Lamentations, but we're going to hit them both. And he said it would defeat the purpose of them believing that there are mysteries yet to be discovered. Because the whole point in this is that we would leave from this place and not be led into mysteries from a pulpit but to leave from this place to go discover the mysteries for ourselves. That we could then gather together, having discovered mysteries of God, to discuss them with one another. To think about what church would look like if we were all in our own walks discovering mysteries of God that have yet been discovered and then we got to gather in one place with that truth and revelation. What would that do for the church?
What would that do for the communities that surround that church? If it was a building was filled with all those that have discovered things about God that have yet to be discovered. So in obedience, that's, that's where we're at. My encouragement to you is to leave this place that God would lead you into mysteries yet to be discovered. I believe there are mysteries yet to be discovered. I believe there are things that are only possible for us to discover at the end of our days. You know, Betty Medford, um, that was a mystery. Her, her last moments. But she discovered something in those moments that we'll never discover until we're in those moments. Profound. There are literally mysteries to be discovered of God until our last breath. And he has, he has mysteries appointed and anointed for every moment if we're willing to search after him. As Proverbs says, to seek after him diligently. Because he promises, you will find me. But it's more than just a, a service or a quick flipping through the Bible. It's not just about having a quiet time. It's about pursuing the heart of God with every breath and allowing him to lead you into these things. You guys all know what that's like to just be existing in the will of God and then all of a sudden the Lord hits you with a revelation you're just like, where did that come from? This is amazing. That happened Sunday. We were just in worship, and I'm just standing up there getting ready to preach, and the Lord brings me into something immediately and changes. Everything about my life has been changed because of that moment last Sunday. These mysteries are for us to discover, profound and amazing and exciting. So my encouragement is that and for you in here and you listening online to go and discover the things that God has every desire for you to discover. Because there are generations that we could set on top of these mysteries. That that would be their foundation. If body, soul, and spirit and identity is our foundation, imagine what foundation a future generation could have. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.